Hello! Welcome to Why Not Both, the podcast all about how our multiple passions and interests shape our identity and our lives. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I am a musician and therapist in Los Angeles, and I also happen to be your host. This podcast is produced by Laura Studeris, and for this season, we've partnered up with Under the Radar magazine. If you like what you hear, you can hang out with us on social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at WNB, the podcast. And if you really, really like what you hear, please support us on Patreon. We are under Why Not Both podcast. When you join our Patreon, you get a whole bunch of really cool behind the scenes stuff and you get to chat with us. And that's pretty awesome. Thank you so much for your support. And I hope you enjoy our interviews. For this week's episode, we got to welcome Alex Summers to the podcast. I hope that you enjoy our conversation. So Alex, welcome to Why Not Both. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Thanks a lot. Yay. It is kind of funny that we're both in LA and like on Zoom. I know. We'd just be hanging out. We'd be s- sipping something nice in some nice place in Los Angeles, but not a chance. Yeah. Well, before all this started, I would record sometimes in Silver Lake, and uh, one of my friends has a lovely clementine tree, and so during an interview, we were just like eating clementines the whole time, and I was like, oh, this is the way to run a podcast. Yeah, that is pretty dreamy. (laughs) It was so Los Angeles. (laughs) So you mentioned you moved to LA, you said in 2017? Yep. Yeah, I've been here only a few years, yeah. Where did you move from? I moved from Reykjavik. That's my other favorite city. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite cities too. It's a really special place. And um, yeah, I lived there for 12 years. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, you know, I have family there and it's a really special place to my heart. But um, it's also cool to move back to the U.S. because, you know, I was born in Baltimore and but kind of missed a lot. You know, I moved, mm. away. I moved to Iceland in 2005. And I'd always visit my family, you know, once a year. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's kind of been pretty cool to be back in like the U.S. and meet new friends in L.A. and kind of develop a music community out here. And I, I love Los Angeles and I feel really lucky to be here. And I definitely, yeah, I mean, pandemic is so brutal anywhere, but I feel lucky that I can be outside at least. You know? Yeah, that was a small blessing when uh, when the trails reopened. Yeah, I like going to Topanga. I have, a, I have a few few close friends that live out there, and that's always a nice way to spend a day. Oh, Topanga is absolutely magical and strange. It's like this little pocket community in LA. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. Oh, have you been to, I mean, it's hard to go inside places currently, but have you been in the store Hidden Treasures? Uh, I've been there before the pandemic, yeah. That's hands down like my favorite vintage store in LA. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's fun. <laughs> with stuff, yeah. Uh, now I just want to go to Hidden Treasures. <laughs> I guess, like, what brought you to LA? If you're from Baltimore and then you're in Reykjavik and then you came here, I guess, like, what was that journey? Um, I mean, I just came to LA. Like, I basically came here for a month in 2011 for a music project. Mm-hmm. and was pretty east coast snobby thinking california was really watery and like not very fun or cool or whatever 
<laughs> and, and gradually through the trip, I, I enjoyed it. And I was like, wow, it's really nice. And then I think 2014, I came for a few weeks for a project. Mm-hmm. And then maybe it was by 2015, I just came for fun, like got an Airbnb for like three weeks and then did it again the next year. And then every, every trip got a little bit longer. And I'd always like, you know, I knew a few people out here and would meet more people and, but was never really thinking that much about it. And then it was, yeah, 2016, maybe on like a month or two month trip or something being like, wow, maybe it would be amazing to like spend part of the year here because Iceland is really brutally cold and dark place. Mm -hmm. And so that was kind of the little fantasy. It was like, oh, live part-time in Reykjavik and part-time in LA. Mm-hmm. yeah just quickly turned to being like well I love LA and I just <laughs> yeah I got a place here and like freighted all my music equipment and mm-hmm. kind of just felt like um yeah it's just like felt really good to have a pretty radical life shift like you know like it's really a different place culturally mm-hmm. and, you know physically and the climate and like your life here is like my life here is so different than it was and it's just felt really fresh to be able to do that to like change your whole life and kind of like one fell swoop so I think it was just good for me to to have a pretty big shift yeah and imagining in some ways there's like similarities at least that I found between Reykjavik and LA like the creative communities are so vibrant in both and also like strangely there's such a big like film scoring community in both yeah yeah I mean definitely the music scene in Reykjavik is really thriving and tiny and amazing and everyone shares equipment and helps each other and plays on each other's records and projects and um, I think that's here in LA too but it's like maybe not city-wide like there's just different pockets of it where like Reykjavik it's like literally one scene it's like the same kid who plays drums in like some little jazz group is also doing like really weird experimental stuff and and makes like solo noise music and is like a bass player in like you know some other band like it's just one scene whereas LA Mm -hmm. is lots of pockets of different cool scenes but yeah they're both really vibrant art and music places and we're lucky for that yeah like I'm curious what changed when you said like you changed your life with like one fell swoop I was just like so what's different I mean it sounds vaguely obvious that it's like it's almost like this weird contrast of light and dark but like Iceland's not all dark it's just physically dark during the winter (laughs) so I'm curious like what that shift felt like um well I mean my whole life's pretty different so I lived in downtown Reykjavik and uh I did own a car for most of my time in Iceland but I didn't use it that much you didn't need it so you just Mm -hmm. I just walked everywhere so I had very much like a city kind of village life and you would when you walk around Reykjavik you see the same people either your friends or just acquaintances like all the time so you're like kind of have this very like yeah like stimulating life of meeting people either properly or just casually and chance encounters and you know going to coffee houses and dipping in here and there and my studio was a like a four or five minute walk from my house so I just Mm -hmm. had this very like downtown life Mm -hmm. of course you're always bundled up it's pretty cold and yeah I don't know it's just like a a vibrant life in a way and um in in LA you know you kind of need to get in the car to go to most places Mm -hmm. so so there's um you have to like make plans with your friends you don't just bump into them right (laughs) which is not a bad thing in a way I see people more for like quality hangs because you you know you, you have to make plans and and the climate, honestly, just the climate, like it sounds shallow to focus on that, but it's like radically 
crazy what like living in a place where the weather is like kind of perfect every day yeah compared compared to just like battling the elements I mean it's fun it's inspiring I love Iceland don't get me wrong but um yeah I was just ready for the shift and yeah it feels really nice to like yeah wear very few clothes (laughs) be in an amazing climate and like just like have yeah wind that's not freezing cold and like Oh, you mean the wind that doesn't try to kill you when you like walk out the door? <laughs> yeah. And like, you can like throw seeds and they grow trees. Like in, for example, one of my first years in Iceland, I was going to the art school and I used oh. to walk there through the snow. This sounds like an old, old geezer story actually. And I remember my first semester and I was like nibbling on something on my walk. I can't remember. Some like, just, I don't know, carrots or something. And I, you know, I thought you just something like that, which just goes right into the earth. You throw it. You don't need to use a trash can in a way. It's even better because it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost. I would never litter for the record, but I, th- I thought that. And then, then like months later, three months later or something when all the snow had melted coming out you of the winter. <laughs> yeah. I like saw all these like, <laughs> like, like fruit and vegetable debris from me. And I felt, of course I picked it up and I felt bad and I was like, wow, but, it's a different earth up there it's like not fertile it doesn't accept like stuff like that it's like not during that season (laughs) I don't know I don't know if that goes into like how my life is different but it's yeah it's just different you know speaking different languages different culture people are different Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah oh that's so funny I'm just imagining like the dawning horror on your face as you like saw all of the like plant matter and you're like oh oh I did an oops (laughs) yeah I was like I'm done (laughs) oh that's adorable um I'm imagining also that because of all those differences it would lend to different creations like obviously like it's a really that's funny (laughs) what came to mind I was like it's a fertile landscape there for creativity you say as Alex just said so then I was tossing carrots at the ground and it rejected them um but it's like there there's so many different kinds of inspiration whereas here like you said the weather is perfect every day and when you're planning to get together with people it's intentional and I'm wondering that that then influence your creative process yeah I think it definitely has I think my life in Iceland yielded a certain kind of like work ethic and workflow and uh also the collaborations that I have with those folks I work with less unfortunately of course I could work you know there's one Icelandic musician uh Gila Valti's daughter cellist and Mm -hmm. I still work a ton with Gila she's like one of my best friends and we've been collaborating forever but a lot of the other folks that I would work with I just don't and it's not because I don't think they're amazing I just they're not immediately in my community so Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you tend to just like work with what you have. So I'm kind of, yeah, doing things differently here and working with different players and um, different friends and building music in a different way because I just have different things. And um, yeah, and I, I also, I don't know. I'm like, maybe I'm too out of touch with <laughs> like where I go or something when I make music because I'm like not super heady with it. I just kind mm-hmm. of like zone out and like do something for a while until it like takes shape and I start molding it but um yep I do think it's influenced me like a lot it's a little bit hard for me to like exactly distill well and in some ways that's a good thing like I don't know if you have this experience but when I when I'm creating if I start thinking about what I'm creating like it immediately shuts down whatever it is I'm creating 
Yeah, because it's never good. That's what I. If, yeah. If like, <laughs> the thoughts are never like, oh, I'm clever. This is good. It's just no. really bad. So you have to like push through that or just not think. And um, honestly, like a lot of the pieces of music I make are like pushing through that. So I, I won't like something and I'll abandon it. And then I'll decide to like fuck it up really bad through like either mm-hmm. through sending it through a bunch of outboard gear and like take delays or just lots of plugins or both or dubbing it to micro cassette and back and like so much that you're actually trying to like destroy a piece of music or a sound to create something else and mm-hmm. it becomes less about the music and more just like pure sonics like I love mm-hmm. sound and I love music that's uh very much about the sound more than the notes or equal importance you know so mm-hmm. like and then if you have a good sound, just like a grain of a sound, then sometimes that will inspire me and I'll write new music on top of that. Mm. Um, so that's like a really common workflow for me is because it's impossible for me to actually just do anything kind of in the moment that I like, usually think is good or something. <laughs> usually I have to kind of like fuck it up and then like rebuild something and be like, oh, cool, it's turning into something. And like now it's getting good. Yeah, well, don't go that far. I don't know if I can. <laughs> Now it's getting medium okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I just feel excited to keep going, that's all that, all that it is. I don't really, we don't need to say good or bad. It's just like, <laughs> if you feel excited to like build something, that's like a good, a really good feeling. It's like, yeah, you know, one of my favorite feelings. Yeah. That is like when you stumble upon a sound that I don't know how to put it other than like, when I stumble on a sound that resonates with me, I'm like, oh, and like, I just want to keep making that sound and elaborating on it, but it sometimes takes a while to find whatever that sound is. And it's not like I'm aiming for it. It's not like I have necessarily something in mind. It's more like, you know it when you stumble on it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Does that happen? Like, I guess when you're working on scores versus your own music, like, is it a similar thing? Yeah, I think so. It's just with scores, it's a, the net is a little shallower or something because mm-hmm just making music for yourself like out of thin air then like I don't know anything can happen it's like pretty can be pretty abstract like what you're doing or like in your mind or like but um one of the things I love about film scoring I love doing that work it's so fun it's highly collaborative a lot of the time you're telling a story or you're trying to like bring to the surface from a scene what's really happening or or what's or you can be like deceiving what's happening or like a new Mm -hmm. layer of of what you're trying to draw to the surface and so it's a little more intentional a little can be a little more heady than the stuff we were previously talking about like mm-hmm. like intentional in what you're doing and like trying to make something softer or more abrasive or more like tense mm-hmm. so, but um yeah so I think it's a little more intentional for me in that and like you're collaborating with people and you're trying to honor a lot of different people's like visions including your own you know being in LA like in regards to film composition and TV, like obviously things are kind of weird right now, um, but did you find it at least like easier to meet people? Or I guess like, how was that different than when you were in Reykjavik? Um, well, I have an agent who reps me for like film composing stuff and he's here. So it's cool that uh, we're just more in touch, you know, but mm-hmm. um, I mean, everything can be remote in a way, but yeah, there is something nice about it, I think, about being in the city where most of the folks that I collaborate with when I do my film scoring stuff, they're like here, you know, so we, yeah. we touch a lot. We speak on the phone. We used to meet up in person. I used to have 
people come for like playbacks at my old studio that was like a thing yeah so yeah it's it's definitely not essential um and I was doing film scoring a little bit before I moved here but certainly since I moved here I'm doing more and more and more um so yeah I think it's not it's nice to be here yeah because I mean like you said right now we can't do like in-person playbacks and stuff but when you spoke about collaborating in particular like when you're working on films like it's so many people's vision that when you are bringing that to life musically, it's so nice being in the room with people because you can, one, obviously watch it together, but then you can kind of get a handle on what their emotions are about it. And like, I don't know about you, but that when I've scored stuff like that helps me so much when I see like the creator's reactions to it. I'm like, oh, okay, that's juicy. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, it's definitely, definitely really valuable. And for example, um, movie I scored a couple years ago called Honey Boy Mm -hmm. who's the director like she was extremely hands-on so like Mm -hmm. she was just coming over you know like every other day and she'd like sleep on the sofa in my studio and we'd hang out and try stuff and then I'd like wake her up and be like hey what do you think about this she'd like tell me so that that was like by far the most hands-on with a director and like she's amazing and she's so cool and she's really sensitive and like I would change something very slightly and she would either like it or not but uh-huh. she was kind of switched on to those changes. So it became, it just made more sense to, for her to hang out, you know, while I was doing stuff. So um, that was really fun. And obviously that's off the table for a while, but um, yeah, I guess I got used to the virtual thing, but you're right. It is, it's really not a replacement. Yeah. Cause like we can definitely work virtually, like on your current album, like, did you work on that mainly here or did you work on it mainly virtually because like I've talked to a bunch of people about creation during this time in that way where in some ways it's great because you have this like isolation that in some ways can really foster your creativity but in other ways like if you're used to collaborating with people it kind of is strange (laughs) in a way (laughs) yeah yeah um well the the music that I'm releasing on March 19th is that the stuff you mean yeah 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 um that was actually all written and recorded in Iceland and then I mixed it in Los Angeles so oh. I didn't so all the collabs were happening in person but it was like yeah a couple years ago now oh my gosh what's it like hearing that back now like in context well I don't really listen to it that much because <laughs> I listened to it enough when I made it and I'm like pretty meticulous as a mixer so when I mix mm-hmm. I listen to you know a lot um but yeah, for me, it definitely, so I'm releasing two albums on March 19th and they, they're very much kind of a crystallized era for me, mm-hmm. um, which is, I guess, my last, my last time in Iceland, like that studio that I was working in, a lot of my close friends in Iceland played on it. And um, it just like crystallizes that era of me kind of playing the space between just ambient and pure sound and also kind of song structure. Like I've always been really into both and Mm -hmm. see both as like not enemies or something. Whereas typically, um, I don't know, they don't, they don't flirt with each other that often, but I I really tried to make this stuff like go into both where sometimes it feels structured and unsatisfying and other times it just lacks the kind of typical, you know, first course structure entirely and Mm -hmm. goes into something else. And it was, yeah, it was just that time of me exploring that and playing with strings and playing with sounds and very speed and tape and slowing things down. And um, 
yeah, I've, I've made, you know, quite a bit of music since then that I'm also excited about, but I'm, I feel like, yeah, releasing this stuff is good because it's like, feels like I can be a little more freed from that era or something. Hmm. It popped in my mind. I'm like, oh, it's like a love letter to that era. A little bit, I guess. Yeah. I just, I like that duality you were talking about of like kind of that duality of formlessness and sound versus actually having the structure of songs. And like, for instance, when you're scoring, it does have to be in a very particular structure. And like, I guess like thinking about that, how do you balance that duality, particularly when you are writing your own stuff, when you're in charge of it? Um, Because for scoring, obviously you do have a structure, but when you're in charge of it, how do you, I guess like, how do you know when a song needs structure and when it doesn't? Well, I love structure. I really love like pop music, diatonic chord progressions. I'm like the biggest sucker for it. They're all (laughs) the best, all the best chord progressions. You just hear them every day on like top 40 radio. They're amazing. What beautiful chord progressions and which is why they're being used by everyone forever in every decade and, and harmony that's like that. But um, when it comes to like sound and production and like even just basic things like tempo or like how loudly or softly you play something, that's where my stuff's really different. But like, I think everything starts out pretty structured that I do. I never just make mm. like a seven minute drone I always make music that's structured. And then if I want to leave that structure, or if I want to like abandon it or I'm not happy with it, it becomes something more formless. But like, I'm a, you know, I write most of my music on piano or guitar. And mm. so it's all pretty harmonic and melodic and like structured typically. And then it just, yeah, it can become less so later on if I want. Got it. Got it. Yeah, because trying to balance those two ideas, that's really fascinating that it starts with that framework and then you kind of like destroy it (laughs) outward from there. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm always battling feeling embarrassed or something of like everything I do. So I'll do something and be like, well, it's so basic. And then I'll have to (laughs) like fuck it up a bit and then like until it will hopefully become something. Yeah. I just imagined your songs as like a really destroyed pair of jeans. (laughs) (laughs) You're like it has structural integrity i swear it's just gone a lot of different directions yeah it's fun it's all the process it's fun i love playing with sound you know it's not all it's like it's just fun it's experimenting you know this is super random did you play on like the sounds of fisher records yep how do you know hey. about that? <laughs> i just happened to look over at my incense burner that has my fisher incense in it and was like wait a second was Alex one of the people on the Sounds of Fisher? <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's kind of like a little inside family club thing where it's like four or five of us um, just like making music together. Mostly remote now, but I think the first one was in the room. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. I that was I stumbled into that shop with actually um, my producer on this show is a good friend of mine and she had heard about the shop. And so the first time I was in Reykjavik, she's like, Oh, I think you'd like this place. Fisher is a family store, and uh, it used to be Yonsei's studio, and then um, kind of converted it into this cool, like, art gallery slash boutique, and then Yonsei's family has been steadily, like, making stuff for years, and now they're, like, um, yeah, selling them, like, really beautiful, thoughtful, and, like, eco-friendly products. It's pretty cool. 
It's amazing. I had actually, I've been trying to coordinate with Lilia to be on the show because I just, I love everything there. Like every time I've been back, I go there. That's so funny. Like I'm trying to imagine where Yonsei's studio was in there because I actually recorded at Airwaves. I recorded an episode of this podcast in the basement. Oh, cool. No, the whole yeah. building was Yonsei's studio. I mean, it's a really small building for those of you who haven't been there. If you're listening to this, it's a tiny building, but yeah, that was Yonsei's studio. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like I couldn't find a quiet spot. And so I interviewed, uh, I interviewed the artist, Madame Gandhi in like the basement kind of near the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which was so sweet of Lilia to let me do that. Um, I was like, Hey, this is really random. And she was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Go for it. Here you go. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Everything it's possible nice and you just like do whatever it's so nice like no there's no rules or something so many rules in the u.s going back to talking about like difference that's yeah. really boring about the u.s there's so many rules and people actually follow them and it's like really practical and i sound like you i think because the scale of the society is small and it's a little more like trust and everyone's like cool no one's like there's no bad intentions really for the most part and like that's kind of amazing like that like living your life like in that space is feels good yeah, it was, um, that's so interesting that that's how you put it, like that people generally have good intentions and like are very open in a way. Like I was walking home, um, last I was staying there and like everyone was just like out together and I said to my friend Magnus, I was just like, oh, you know, will you walk me, will you walk me to my room? And he was like, why would I walk you to your room? And I was like, well, it's three in the morning. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, shouldn't I be walking like with someone like together? Like, you know, like strength in numbers. And he's like, what are you, are you going to get blown away by the wind again? He, he jokes with me because I had left the museum one day and like literally went airborne opening the door. Um, I'm barely five feet tall. It was kind of funny. Um, literally thought I was going to get killed by the wind. Um, and I was like, no, I'm not afraid of the wind. I'm afraid of humans. And he's like, what, what's anyone going to do to you here? Like, have you encountered anyone dangerous here in that way? And I was like, no. He's like, I think you can walk home. He's like, you can text me when you get home. It's like a five minute walk. And so I did. And it was like terrifying because like I'd never walked home alone at like 3 a.m. before, like on a major street. And I was fine. Yeah, there's yeah, there's no crime in Iceland. There's zero. I, yeah. I lived there for 12 years. There was one like stabbing, which was like really messed up, but one in 12 years. And it was like, some weird circumstance but yeah you can walk anywhere any part of the city any time of night yeah. yeah it was it was wild and freeing in a way I had not experienced before and I hadn't really linked the two together but I was like oh yeah that's true I could walk down a main street at like three in the morning and I also could say to a new friend hey can I please record my podcast in your basement and she was like yeah <laughs> like, sure <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking about what you said about like, there's perfect weather here. So I was like, oh, what have you done not doing music in LA? Like, especially during this time when it's like, we can go outside at the very least, but did you get to experience like more of LA in the few years that you were here prior? A little bit, you know, I go hiking with friends and uh, got a membership at the Huntington Library, stuff like that. Um, but I always more, I want to see more. I drove up the coast and got to see a little bit Northern California, which is like insanely beautiful, but I, I, I'd say I'm still getting to know LA, you know, mm -hmm. for sure. It's a pretty big city and um, 
yeah, I sometimes go to the west side to the beach if I get invited or whatever, but yeah, it's like so much to see and um, it's so beautiful though. It's amazing. Do you have, you mentioned you had a car there. Do you have a car here? Yep. I, I didn't okay. for a while, but I got a car. It's actually less than a year ago, but I finally did. Hey, what popped in my head? I was like, you can just drive to the beach then. You don't even have to have an invite. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's not something I just like do on my own. I probably should. It would be a nice thing. Yeah, because when you're not writing music, I guess like what else do you what else do you enjoy doing or like what else kind of like feeds your time? I don't know how to put it other than that, because like we have like an abundance of weird elastic time now. I know I was actually talking with um, a friend of mine who I just scored her movie and we were joking that we were like such losers because our hobbies became what we do all the time for work and, <laughs> and we're lucky and it's cool but then she's like yeah she's like yeah I don't do anything I was telling my family other than like writing or working on like film projects or writing scripts or whatever and there's like no, nothing else and I'm um, trying to think I mean I just like I'm just a social person I'm, I'm a very big extrovert so like mm. pre-COVID I just like I have a pretty good social life you know I spend time with my friends and I go mm. out and I do things and I have people over and just like socializing really I mean I don't have a ton of other hobbies you know I did go to art school and I, I like to draw and paint and collage and I used mm -hmm. to do like video stuff not so much anymore but mm. really music it's really fulfilling and I I do a lot of different things in music you know mm -hmm. in addition to film scoring you know I do remixes for people I I produce records for people and uh, mix records for people so it's like different parts of being a musical person I get to like try them or like dip in and out so it is yeah it's pretty fulfilling doing music and it's really what I love I listen mm -hmm. to music if I'm not working on it a lot mm -hmm. listen to field recordings um my most listened to song of 2020 was uh ultimate thunderstorm which is like a, <laughs> a field recording from uh this guy you can look it up it's called environments and there's a bunch of environments albums and the one I'm obsessed with is environments four which has ultimate thunderstorm on it but that was like by far my most listened to track last year and so I listen to that stuff and um I read a bit I don't know I sound like a boring person if I list all the things I do I can't I can't think I, I literally like make potions like, and stuff I was like one I was literally looking at my phone to find like which thunderstorm was my favorite because I do have a playlist of thunderstorms so like I felt you so strongly on that oh. um, <laughs> I was like, which is my favorite? Because the thunderstorm I like has almost the same frequency as like pink noise. Like for whatever reason, I love pink noise. Cool. Yes. Yeah, it's very soothing. Yeah. I like it better than white noise. I find white noise sometimes kind of abrasive. And I, I used to like to travel, you know, like I would have been uh -huh. artist residency um, last summer and yeah, just spend a few weeks in London and see people there and probably would have visited Iceland and yeah it just um like most of us had a much more colorful life before COVID but now it's like yeah my world is pretty small because you know um, you can't really do much yeah I was gonna say as an extrovert like I I'm in fact actually quite introverted and so in some ways this was almost relieving but I noticed my extrovert friends like even I want to see people now and I'm I'm like a house cat um and my extroverted friends after like a few weeks were like, cool, 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 cool. Like, when does this end? And now we're like a year in and I'm like, 
I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the worst. <laughs> oh, do you have like a pod of friends that you see? Are there like people that you can see safely or socialize outside? Yeah, so I, I'm not in any pod. I'm I am just on my own. But um, I do have like all my close friends come over for tea pretty much. So I have like an outdoor space at my house and I um, mm -hmm. just make a pot of tea and sit like, you know, 10 or 15 feet apart from like a friend. And usually it's just one-on-one mm -hmm. and that's amazing. And I do that, you know, a couple times a week. So I'm definitely seeing people. It's just uh, not like inside and all that. Yeah. Okay. At least we are feeding your extrovert soul. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun, fun to see my friends and catch up and but yeah, I think everyone's in a similar place. We just have the deep pandemic fatigue. It's been going on forever. And um, but yeah, I'm lucky to have music in my life. It's just really amazing, like thing that's untangible and you can just always engage with it no matter what in life, pretty much. So that is really, really amazing. I'm lucky for that. Well, and that you described there's so many different areas of it. Like it sounds like you like to engage in so many different parts of it that it's funny that you described that as boring. I was like, that doesn't sound boring. That sounds like there's so many things that are fascinating within the sphere. And like within that sphere, there's different spheres. Yeah, I mean, I think it's nice. Like ever since I got into music, I never wanted to be any one thing. I just liked music. I liked playing with music. I'm like way more drawn to recorded music and recorded sound than live. Mm -hmm. Like if whether something's live or not doesn't mean anything to me. Like I don't care. Neither one is more impressive or more engaging to me. Mm -hmm. And like... There's this really cool Eno essay where he talks about when um like there was theater, and then we invented the film camera, so then we th then we made cinema, and mm -hmm. it was like they got its own word because they realized oh we can like film from different angles and we can cut the films together later to like create illusion or like it doesn't have to be just like you know the earliest films were just filming people on a theater stage and they'd act it yeah. out, and then they quickly realized they could use it like in 3D or whatever you want to call it and like music didn't get the same word like like earliest recordings were people playing an instrument live captured done but then pretty quickly as technology marched on like it became like it's just we can do whatever we want it doesn't have to be true to like what it might have sounded like in the room and that's kind of the world that I'm obsessed with and have been drawn to my whole life ever since getting like a little four track tape machine and like experimenting with that and being like whoa you can layer Mm -hmm. you can play the same thing twice and it sounds different like why does it sound different I don't know it's just like sound is interesting when you layer it and toy with it and so yeah I, I love having my paws in different facets of music and sound and it's really gives me a lot but um yeah I think that's more ideal for me than just like settling into one groove and only doing you know mm -hmm. one it sounds like making potions yeah, I make a potion every morning. It's my <laughs> I was like, what are the other potions that you make, like the non-sonic potions? Well, it's just food. I mean, this is what I'd make for breakfast. I've been doing it for like 10 or 15 years or something. Yeah, it's good. I'm like, like tell me more. <laughs> no, it's just like a bunch of stuff. Every morning is slightly different. I just basically blend a bunch of stuff into like some kind of crazy sludge and, um, you get addicted to it after a while you know it started out pretty reasonable and probably uh -huh. normal and tasted normal and now it's it's just somewhere definitely not in the realm of normal but 
it's I yeah it makes you feel really good to like make a weird concoction putting all these like amazing ingredients and then yeah you just yeah I love it when I travel I even have like a weird really like not as good travel version because I can't deal with not having it. well like I guess what were the ingredients this morning it's too many of the lists sorry <laughs> I like 25 or 25 things maybe or something. Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. That's like a whole alphabet of ingredients. <laughs> it's just stuff. Oh. Anytime I hear about any like weird ingredient or like some root or some like powder or like anything, I just like read, read about it. And if it sounds cool, I'll try it. Wow. That's yeah. fascinating. And thinking about like in, in connection to what you're talking about with sound, that totally makes sense. Like that sounds like almost like the edible analog of what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wonder what, like, I'm not, not sure, but. <gasps> you're like, can't describe it. Too many things. Just going to consume. All good. <laughs> oh my God. Now I'm like super curious about what's in the potions. Um. That's really funny to think about. And yeah, the whole thing of like when hobbies become your job. Before all of this happened, I talked to people mainly about like why in some ways we discount the things that we do that aren't for money. Um, because some people do multiple things, but some of those things like do yield income in some way and some don't. But it's like, it's strange when all of a sudden the thing that you did simply because you enjoy it also becomes your livelihood. Yeah, it's yeah, it's wild. Yeah, I never thought in a million years you could make music and not have to do anything else. Like it always seemed like I mean, when I was 18, I went to music school. I was like serious about it, but I didn't think about it like in a linear way. I didn't do it to learn some skill that I could then go get a job. I think when when you get into making music, you just assume that you'll never be able to actually do it for work because that's what society tells you. That's kind of what your friends and family tell you for the most part is like you just like it's like it's cool but like you can't live off of it you know so it's um mm -hmm. it's really cool if, if you can and if you can find a way to to do what you love and and not have to um hustle you know like nine to five basically yeah like did you ever when you were in music school and art school and whatnot like were you ever working another job or um I mean I worked all through high school and then when I was in music school I didn't I got like crazy student loans, so I could not do that. And then mm -hmm. um, I was picking olives for a minute, but that was like a summer job. And then when I was in Iceland, no, I was just in the art school. And yeah. Yeah. I'm, I mean, pretty much. I'm like so lucky. I've just mainly been focused on music or art stuff for like for a pretty long time. Wow. Well, yeah, because in some ways it's strange. Like, you know, we do describe it as lucky. And in some ways it's extraordinarily lucky. And in some ways it's also like, oh, that's so fascinating to not have like the flip side. There are people that I've talked to that are like, oh, I worked in another job for like 20 years and now I make music or like I worked in film and, you know, now I have like a quote day job, but I love this other creative passion. And it's really, it's, I don't know. It's very interesting to see like what energy we get back for the energy we put into the arts and then like does that change your perception of the art you're creating yeah and i have friends that prefer it who like aren't amazingly musical or creative and artistic but don't want to do it for work because they don't mm -hmm. want to have it associated to like 
commerce or like income or like depending on it or like which is like really valid because it's you know it is true like yeah I am like dependent on that now at this point for like for my life but it is kind of cool to do that I think there's no one way you know you just have to like navigate it see what feels feels good yeah because I think you know when I started this podcast part of it was all that like there's no like one path that works for everybody. And so hearing about people's journeys, like, I mean, I started it because I found it interesting, frankly. (laughs) Otherwise I'm like, why would I have been talking to people about this? Um, But yeah, that there's no like one size fits all, especially when we have this narrative of like, oh, you have this one passion and you follow this one thing and that's what you're supposed to do. You also did study other art forms. Like, did you ever think that at one point you would be like a professional like visual artist or was that a path that you were like "Mm, never mind yeah big time I really wanted to but the art world is hardcore I I realized I wasn't cut out for it like yeah I'd been doing music forever ever ever and then I started making a lot of videos for my music and I don't really have any uh like technical drawing skills and stuff I'm quite bad actually but I always have ideas and I like working with what I have and doing something within like what I'm able to do. Mm. um, So then I started doing that. And then I was still always doing music for fun, but like not, I was doing it less. And I was just like, really wanted to make art and uh, do art. You know, I had some art exhibitions were really fun Mm -hmm. and got into installations and like video stuff, like I said, but it's really hardcore that world. You have to like constantly be like, reinventing yourself and you have to like talk a lot about your work a lot mm-hmm. really be able to like distill what you're trying to do where you're coming from where you've gone and you have to constantly like reference other artists throughout like art history and contemporary art and like it's it's definitely more like institutionalized for, for me is how it felt mm-hmm. and um yeah I mean I still wish I had a better art practice and was like able to have some exhibitions every once in a while or something like low-key but um it is like very demanding field and like Mm -hmm. it felt really hardcore whereas like I don't know I feel like maybe music is a little more rock and roll because of rock (laughs) and roll music it has this blanket thing over it that's like a little more punk I'm not sure but I always felt most comfortable yeah making music And that's interesting to know that like in some ways, you know, even though you did have those exhibitions and things like that, that you were like, I don't think this is for me. This seems to not be the environment that's welcoming me. (laughs) Well, it's just really narrow. I don't think I could have done all of the other things that I'm doing now and done and have done that. I feel like, yeah, yeah. which is I've never felt that in music. I've never felt I needed to choose anything. I'm just like winging it all the time. But with that stuff, yeah. (gasps) Winging it with the best of intentions. that is the impression I get of the art world like I do know several visual artists that it does seem I mean I do think that music can also be intense as well but it's intense in a in a very different way at least with music I see so much more of course there's competition within music but there's at least I've found and it sounds like you're describing there's more of a collaborative spirit in some ways yeah yeah I'm not sure maybe maybe that's what it felt closer to me because I love collaborating. Yeah. When you said like you mixed your own stuff, I was just like, oh, I have so much respect for that. Once I get to the mixing phase, I'm like, I do a rough mix and I'm like, I'm going to give this to my friendos. <laughs> like... <gasps> I love mixing them. It's like 
definitely one of my most favorite things to do for sure. Wow. Yes. I was like, tell me more. <laughs> it's just so, it's so incredibly fun what you can do, how much you can shape a piece of music in the mix. It's like, yeah, pretty great. That's so funny. Once I get to the mix phase, I'm like, I'm so not like tired of the song, but I feel like I've taken the song sonically as far as I want to. And I want to hear what someone else does with it. Yeah. I mean, that's also really valid. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wonder how much distance I would need from one of my own songs to mix it properly. I think it's also great to work with mixers. Some people mix all day, every day, and they're so good. I have a few friends that are like, do that full time and they're amazing mixers and they, they can kill it. You know, that's also pretty cool to collaborate with folks like that. Yeah. I guess like, are you actively working on music right now? I am. Yeah, definitely. I always am. Yeah. Oftentimes when you're releasing something, you might've recorded it like years prior. And now you're in like, in some ways, like a very different emotional place, but that does give you a very interesting perspective then on the work that you're releasing. Yeah, I mean, it, it is old. I think most people, when they make a record and put it out, they already feel like, or like most of my friends have given me the same sentiment. It's like, they're already on to the next thing and, and want to be. But mm -hmm. in my case, it's a little more extreme because it's two albums of music that, yeah, has now been finished for a while. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about yeah, more stuff I'm doing now and continue to like expand and all, like I was saying before, like new collaborators and, you know, trying to learn about more about string arrangements and things that can yeah, take my sound in new directions, you know. I take that. And at least it's, you know, it's an oddly fertile time to do that because you can listen to as much ultimate thunderstorm as you want right now. And I do. <laughs> You're like, trust me, it really is my top plate track. <laughs> I only knew that because at the end of the year when everyone did that, um, you know, Spotify and Apple Music thing. And I was uh -huh. like, I just looked and I was like, oh yeah, of course. Duh. And it was like by far the most. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Do you listen to it when, when you sleep as well? Sometimes, yeah, but it has to be at this really specific volume level. It can't be too loud, you know. Yeah. Yeah, create this illusion that it's actually coming from outside your home. So it's like, that's part of the fun of like creating the space. Like I have speakers in every room of my house. So it's like dialing it like a little a nice environment, you know. <laughs> I love that. You're, busted. <laughs> you're like, Shh, I've curated the thunderstorm. This is this is the experience we're having. Yeah. <gasps> Oh my God. I love that so much. <laughs> it's good. Everyone should try it. Like, I honestly think it, it's pretty good. <gasps> oh, that does sound magical. That sounds back to the potions. I was like, yep, yeah, this checks out. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the press release that, um, that your publicist sent and I was like the photos are really cool who are the photos of on the siblings covers um it's actually a reel of eight millimeter film that I bought like and found I so it was it's quite old but um I used to like buy weird junk a lot like found photos and film reels and whatever and I would use it in making art and anyway so I was like I digitized this roll of film 
and it just I don't know I don't know what it is or who they are it's but um I'm like I got obsessed with it and I when I I projected it and then reshot it with like a really good proper camera digital camera so I could then work with it in the computer and I just found this these little moments where like I guess I'm thinking it's probably some parents that basically just got their first ever film camera but they don't know how to use it like a film camera so they're like taking a picture of their children like a portrait basically Uh Um, the kids are trying to be as still as they can but they can't be still because they're kids so they're like so I just like slowed it down a shitload and I really like it because it kind of exists in this space of like is it slow and dreamy and pretty or is it like really haunted and kind of fucked up like I can't decide sometimes I look at it and I think it's like kind of depressing and like haunted and other times I'm like just think it's like kind of sweet and like a nice moment but um yeah I like that about it it feels very nostalgic in a way well I mean it's just old it's just actually old so yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's just old (laughs) like it's literally old Pam um no I always think about like the roots of the word nostalgia that it's about like um a longing for a homecoming and like looking at those pictures it's like when you look at old moments even if they're not your old moments it sometimes harkens back to like wanting to return to something even if that wasn't the thing that existed in your mind or wasn't your experience it's like wanting to return to an experience yeah yeah I just I don't know I felt like it encapsulated the albums and you know calling siblings and yeah I don't know if they're siblings but I kind of made up that they are and yeah I don't know I just thought it was a nice just felt really like woven to the to the whole thing I love that. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you for being so generous with your time and joining me and chatting with me. Yeah. Thanks for talking about music and everything. It was really nice. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Oh, Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. Bye.